Thank you very much. Welcome to the sixth and final part of our 2020 vision series. We're looking ahead between now and the end of 2020. That's nearly four years. I don't know about you, but as I look back over four years, a lot changes. Four years ago, I was still in my 40s. Just. And would you believe it, if I look ahead four years, I'm going to be, get ready, 57. How many say I can't quite believe it? If you can't quite believe it, shake your head, said I just can't believe it. Some of you are not shaking your heads. You're being very, anyway. But a lot can happen in four years, and a lot has happened in the last four years in the life of Kingsgate. Wherever you're gathered, Leicester, Cambridge, Cafe Church, in the Peterborough Auditorium, if you started coming or you joined Kingsgate in the last four years, sometime in the last four years, would you stand, and wherever you are, um, we'd like to give you a big applause. And uh, fantastic. I'm sure in Leicester, it's pretty much all of you. Lots in Cambridge, some here in Peterborough too. You can sit down. And I trust those of you who have stood would want to say thank you to all those who are still sitting. Because they are part, yeah, come on. Because they're part of a great army of people who have invested their lives, some for many, many years, to build something so that we could provide a place for you to come. But let's fast forward another four years. Let's think, if we all together said, right, in the light of this new 2020 vision, all of us sitting and standing together played our part as one big team, thousands of us, guess what God could do? How many more people's lives could be transformed? How many more new people would we see in our gatherings and in the light of our 2020 vision to go out and turn the church inside out and reach further out? How many more people's lives could be impacted and transformed both in our neighborhoods and in the nations? Amazing, hey? And so I want us to come at this last session with a sense of joy, but also a sense of, if you like, sober assessment about the fact that this next four years is an entrustment from God. That's the sense I've had. You see, whether you are in your 50s like me or your teens or 80s or anywhere in between, I don't know about you, but time kind of seems to go quite fast. For we know it, 2020, end of 2020 will be here. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste any part of the life that God has given me, including this next four years. I want to invest my life and make the most of it. Anyone else? I mean, we're never going to have a 2017 again. <laughs> we're never going to have this next four years again. So let's make the most. Let's max the opportunity. Because I believe that what these next four years are about are not just that we're going to see um, God use us in the here and now. We're also preparing for generations to come. But even more than that, the reason what we do in the next four years, starting right now, really, really matters is because what we're doing is going to make a difference in eternity. In eternity. Hence, I, the title of this message is Investing in the Light of Eternity. And I want to look at a particular verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, <clears throat> and we'll look at what happened beforehand. And then a bit later in the message, we'll look at the next two verses after that that go straight into chapter 16. L listen to this verse. Very powerful. It says, Therefore, 
My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Here's the punchline. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, what I love about this verse is here's the Apostle Paul writing to this first century church in Corinth, now by the Holy Spirit, God speaking to us, and he's helping us to define what really matters in life. Do you know there's lots that you and I can do with our time, with what we have over the next four years? Lots of things. Some of them can be good, some of them bad, some a bit neutral, but there's one thing that really matters, and Paul repeats it twice in different words. He says, always give yourself fully to the the work of the Lord. And then he says, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Work of the Lord, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And we could say um, it means for us here in Kingsgate, it must means for us individually and together as a whole church family across our different centers saying, we're not just going to um, listen to a vision, we're going to own the vision and we're going to live it because it really, really matters. Now, why does it really matter? Why should we give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord? I don't know what motivates you. What motivates me, first and foremost, is how much God loves me, the fact that he saved me. When he saved me, it completely wrecked my life for the positive, and I want to live the rest of my life honoring the God who saved me. That's, that's kind of what burns in me. And then secondly, very close second flowing out of that, is I want to see other people's lives transformed too. But Paul adds in another kind of dimension that I believe very often in our Western 21st century church, we don't fully give enough attention to. And this whole call to give ourselves to the work of the Lord fully, he's setting it in verse 58 in the context of all that he's told us in this chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, and the previous 57 verses, if you know anything about 1 Corinthians 15, it's the classic teaching on the resurrection. And Paul's basic thesis is this. Don't be deceived, first century Corinthians. Don't be deceived, first century people living in the Western world. Death is not the end. Death is not the end. Because in the middle of history, 2,000 years ago, there was a man who was also the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who died, looked like death had won, but he gloriously rose from the dead. Death is not the end. And because he rose from the dead, then the rest of the chapter, Paul puts layer upon layer of teaching to, to show us that because death was not the end for Jesus, death is not the end for us. Every single person is going to be resurrected. And for Christians, it's going to be a, day, but be a day of ultimate salvation and glory and resurrection and rewards. And it's also going to be a day of judgment and a sober day because every single person who's ever lived is going to come before the judgment seat of God. And Paul says, therefore, in the light of the reality of Jesus' resurrection and our resurrection when he comes back and the resurrection of every single person who's ever lived. Therefore, 
Give yourself fully to this. There's lots of things that you and I can do with our time and our talents and our treasure, but this thing really, really matters. Not just for now, but for eternity. And so I want us, as we're looking at the end of this vision series, I, don't just, I want us to look at what we could do in the next four years could have a massive bearing on what will happen in eternity. Investing in the light of eternity. And so Paul unpacks this verse, and first he says, now in the light of that, this is the attitude you need to take. Don't back off, don't get weary, don't quit, don't let the culture around you knock you off course. Let nothing move you. Stand firm. And then he says, out of that attitudes of, of resolve, commitment, I'm going to serve God and love him and stay on track the whole of my, the rest of my life. Therefore, he says, now let that attitude of commitment flow over into actions that means we're going to always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because we know our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Why? Because what we're doing to help other people is going to last for eternity. And what we do is going to store up for us a reward that on the final day, Jesus is going to say to Christians who served him, there's going to be many king's gators who he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. How many ready for a great reward? And so I want to encourage every single one of you, whether you're just joining the church very recently or have been on the, the journey for years, Let's give ourselves this vision. Let's give ourselves to the work of the Lord and let's together continue to make a difference. I don't want us to be just a church with a great history. I believe God has called us to be a church with a great future. And so we've got to give ourselves together. Let's all, as a whole team, look at what God wants us to do. So I want us to go into this message with the view of an investor. I have a season of life. You have a season of life. We have a time. We have resources. We have abilities. What are we going to do with what God has given us? What are we going to do with these next three years? And I want to look at three areas that we are to invest now in the light of eternity. Number one, I want to encourage you, every single one of us, I want to encourage us to invest, number one, our ministry. Can we say that? Our ministry. Whether you are a brand new Christian or you've been saved for years, you have a ministry. There's nobody else exactly like you and there never will be. Nobody else has your unique combination of your experience, your upbringing, your talents, um, your, your spiritual gifts. God has uniquely made you, and here's, here's the punchline, God has entrusted certain gifts in your life and he wants you to use them for serving others and for his glory. It's an entrustment. How many want to be good stewards of what God has given you? Now, in this context, I want to look at the term ministry, primarily looking at our core inside as the people of God. We'll look out in a minute. Inside, so what's our call to minister to others? It's a call to serve the house of God. Can we say that together? Serve the house of God. Now, in the Old Testament, as we've seen through the series... The house of God, the temple, was a physical building in Jerusalem where God said, I will particularly manifest myself to my people. But Paul, earlier on in 1 Corinthians, 
makes absolutely clear that there's something more glorious about where we are now at in the New Testament age. He says this, you yourselves, talking about to people, are God's temple and God's spirit lives where? In you. And he's writing there not just to the individual Christian, although it's true God lives in you. He's saying God lives in and amongst the people of God. Good news, we're the house where God lives. The local church is the dwelling place of God. Isn't that amazing? In the Old Testament, those who got to serve at the physical temple were not everybody. There was actually one tribe of the 12 set apart called the Levites. And then there was a group within that one tribe called the priests who had special access into the sanctuary. And for those who had the opportunity of serving that physical house and serving the Lord in the house, it was considered a massive privilege. More good news. In the New Testament, there's not just a one special group who get to be priests. In the New Testament, because of Jesus, our great high priest, who's gone and opened the way and removed every barrier between us and God, it means that by the Holy Spirit, every single Christian has the opportunity to serve God. Every one of you, if you're a Christian, if you know God, if you're a child of God, you are also a priest. You have the privilege of serving God and serving others in the local church. There is no barrier. Every single one of us gets involved. What a privilege. We had yesterday in our Peterborough Beta and Alpha Day, fantastic day. People getting saved, people getting filled with the Spirit, people getting set free. Their lives transformed. Many people will never, ever be the same again. And Karen was um, on, on the prayer team. And she, she started going around some of the, 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 the amazing volunteers who are serving. It takes a whole army to put on a day like this. You've got the technicians, you've got the hospitality team, you've got um, musicians, you've got table leaders, prayer ministry, um, people actually praying for people, people speaking. If I've forgotten you, please forgive me. whole bunch of people involved. Dozens of people giving their Saturday, many of them having had a full-on week at their other uh, focus their their frontline work, and so she just you know as we often do, we just like to say thank you to people. She went and started going around thanking people, and this was the response. Oh no, it's a privilege. Uh, it is such a privilege. I saw somebody in the atrium today, almost fire in their eyes. It was fantastic seeing the group come in like this in the morning and seeing them going out free in the afternoon. It was like it was fantastic. And so when we talk about serving and using our ministry, it's, it's not, oh, have I got to do this? We get to do this. It is a privilege. It really, really is. I'm conscious, though, in a church like this that some of you are very new, new to faith. Others of you have been serving God for years. And so I'm conscious that there's kind of a spectrum. And that, that's kind of okay as long as we're all moving forward. And so some of you, you just need to get started you don't need to hear any more teaching on serving. You just need to get started. And so I want to make it really easy for you and, and just to say, why not just start serving monthly? Once a month. 
If, if you know, you may be busy and that's all you think you can do at the moment, start one time. We have teams all across Kingsgate that would love hundreds of people just to join and sign up once a month. It would make a massive difference. It would fill all kinds of holes that there are and help us prepare ready for thousands more people. Do you think you could do once a month? Let me break it down for you. Some of those once a month slots, let's say on average, may be actually serving for an hour. I mean, bearing in mind, you'd be here anyway, wouldn't you? Every week, wouldn't you? So assuming you're here anyway, it's like an hour of your time. Let let me do the math for you. That's an hour a month. That's how much a year? 12 hours. How much over four years? 48 hours. Now, in the light of the fact that we are going to get rewards in eternity and that we get to do this, to see people's lives transformed, to honor God, to make the way for others to come and get to know Christ, and God is going to reward us, and he's given us gifts that he wants us to use. Do you think you, you could give 48 hours over four years? I mean, that's not huge, is it? That's not a massive ask. Now, let me just say as a writer, I'm aware there'll be some of you in season of life Maybe you just maxed out, looking, you know, bringing up a tiny one, or you know, physically infirm, or you know, there'll be a small minority who are traveling just so much all around the world they could never even get on a rotor. There may be other ways you can get involved, but I think for the vast majority of us to get started, the least we can do is just start serving monthly. That's get started, get started. But the second thing is. Many of you think, well, I can, I can do far more than that. I want to invest my life. I, I want to keep growing. And many of you are already doing that. Many of you are serving regularly, in some cases more like weekly, either on a Sunday and or, you know, we've got amazing group leaders serving, you know, ministering during the week. And that's, that's fantastic. For some of you, the message today isn't really about do more. You're already giving a lot, you know, on top of what you're doing the rest of the week. I just hope this message is an encouragement. I hope you're here right now, the well done of the Father in advance of the eternal well done. And some of you say, do you know, it's worth it. (laughs) When I turn up and I don't feel like it's worth it. When I turn up and I'm tired and I still smile and I still give of myself and I sometimes come back exhausted. Yes, I do. (laughs) It's worth it. (laughs) Because my labor in the Lord is not in vain. We're involved in transforming lives. Look at what God has done in 28 years. Look what can happen over the next four years. And when we do come before the Lord, I think we'll be glad that we heard messages like this. Because it's better hear it now and respond, isn't it? Whoever said, I'm glad I heard the word and responded because I want the eternal well done. I want the eternal reward. So I'm going to give my best to see lives transformed and our Father honoured and many other people come to Christ. It's worth it. And then there, there are a, a, another group of people. It's actually a very big group, but it'd be a minority. And all I can say is the only way I could describe it as I was preparing, it's like you just give extra. You serve extra. And this is an acknowledgement that this isn't everybody. You know, some of you, it's a season of life. We have some incredible people who are making a huge difference across all our centers who have retired from one form of career, but they are being fully refired. And you look at them and there's fire in their eyes. They're like, we get to do this. And they give way beyond. Some of them actually give days into into the life of the church. And then there's others who you are working still in in a frontline workplace context, but there's something in you 
you just can't stay away. There's something in you, you're at everything, you want to be involved in everything, you multi-serve, and I want to just affirm you today and say you're not odd. (laughs) You're not weird, you're called. And it's not for everybody that season of life, but I just want to join with the rest of the church and say to those of you who in this season of your life, either because of call or availability, you're just giving way, way, you're a second mile person. Why, I know that many of you by name, but why don't we just now put our hands together in all our centers and thank the, those who are helping give extra. Now what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to take your, wherever you are, take your kind of sermon notes then if you're not already working out. You'll notice there, there's an opportunity for you to look at what we're calling a ministry investment spectrum. And it might be, um, you, you know, you should have a pen. What, what would be the next step for you? It might be just serve monthly. That might be your get started. It may be do an extra slot. Or it may just be be encouraged. It may just be fresh enthusiasm. Just, just you know, whatever you feel God's speaking to you, why not just write something down as your way of saying, I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to be a hearer of the word, I'm going to be doer. What's your next step? Write it down and then we'll, we'll move on. You see, when Paul says always giving yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, he did mean within the context of church, because if you look, most of 1 Corinthians 15 is about church. He talks about ministry and gatherings. But if we are to always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord, of course, it can't just mean we serve the Lord in a narrow confines of just when we are serving within the context of church, can it? No, because always means always. In other words, Paul had a broader view, and I believe we have a broader view, and 2020 Vision wants to give us a broader view, that we're not just to invest our mission in the church, Secondly, we are to invest our, sorry, our ministry in the church. We're to invest our mission in the world. Say that, our ministry, our mission. And here's here's the, the, the thing for us to grasp. Just like you have an assignment, gifts, talents, time, that God wants you to invest inside the local church, he also has a mission for you an assignment for you to make a difference in the world where you are, where you live, where you work, where you play. God has a mission for you. Same principle. Same principle. And I believe that part of 2020 vision is us, all of us, getting a more holistic 24-7 view that to be a Christian means we're a Christian not in compartments, We're a Christian 24-7, every part of our lives. And the phrase we're using is, we've got to go and live as, and you'll know this by now, kingdom ambassadors. There is a king who has come, died, rose again, demonstrated the kingdom, gone to be with the Father. And he is coming back, and at his resurrection... We will be resurrected and we'll have rewards. But in the meantime, he is still alive. He's reigning. He's in us by his spirit. And he wants us to be empowered to represent him as ambassadors everywhere we go. Hence, we're called to gather, to serve, and then to go on a mission. 
on a mission. I was excited just in the prayer meeting before the service. There was a great word about the fact that this call to kingdom ambassadors doesn't just apply to adults. There's a sense that our children are going to be activated. And many of them, in all the challenges of what they face, they're going to receive a new anointing to be kingdom ambassadors too. Amen? Let's believe for that. And what is our mission? Well, the ultimate fulfillment of our mission as kingdom ambassadors is this, to reach people far from God. To reach people far from God. Now, when we're talking about fully serving the Lord, always abounding in the work of the Lord, it must include, and Paul makes clear in another one of his letters, the letters of the Colossians, that serving the Lord is not just serving inside the church, but it involves our mission in our frontline responsibilities. Listen to this wonderful verse. I trust this encourages you. This is a great Monday morning scripture. Whatever you do, Paul says, whatever you do, work at it with what? All your heart. Sounds a bit like 1 Corinthians 15, fully. Give yourself fully. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. So here we are still on rewards. There's going to be a reward. Why? Because it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Please, let's allow the Holy Spirit to give us a new paradigm. When you go to work, you are not just going to work. You're going to work. You're not just working for that boss, that company. You're working for the Lord Christ. You're not just working for a paycheck and a promotion. You're working for an eternal reward. Make a difference? Same hours maybe, same work, different attitude, anointing, perspective on whatever God has called you to do, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's at home, whether it's caring for elderly relatives, whatever God is calling you to primarily do out there, ultimately we have one boss and his name is Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. We're working for him. And as we go, as kingdom ambassadors, investing the next four years in our lives with that sense of we're on a mission, We're on a mission. Paul, in the next chapter, in Colossians 4, gives some practical instructions about kind of how we are to go with this new intentionality. First, he says, devote yourself to prayer. Do you think it might make difference to your work life or your frontline ministry if you prayed prayed at the beginning of every day, prayed for your work, prayed for those at your work, prayed for your neighbours and those you're going to interact with? Do you think it would make a difference? front foot. Let's be praying. Then he goes on and says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. That's really good. I mean, I know you're never going to do this, but you know, it wouldn't be terribly wise to walk into your boss's office and say, hey, I'm a kingdom ambassador. <laughs> now you don't need to tell them that. <laughs> Just need to live it. Be wise. <laughs> you know, serve well. Be a great employee. Be integrous. Be the kind of people people think, I want this person in my company. I want this person in my office. They're a blessing. When they're around, things go better. 
Let's be wise. And that, you know, so, so we've got a prayer, we've got our lifestyle, the way we live, the way we serve. And then as we do that, if we're praying and we're living it and we're serving, guess what's going to happen? There's going to be opportunities. Hence, Paul goes straight in and says, so make the most then of every opportunity. You'll get them. You watch, you'll get them. We're going to get a whole bunch of them. And then what kind of opportunity? Opportunity to speak. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. And he's not primarily talking there about answering a work problem, although the Spirit will guide you there. He's talking there about answering people who asks you why. Why? What does it mean for you to be a Christian? Ah, now you've asked. Let me tell you. And then in a non-religious friendly but clear way you can say what God has done and what it means for you to be a Christian and then as the conversation goes on there will be opportunities increasingly for you to talk about Jesus and what he's done and let's believe over the next four years we're going to have many opportunities then right there out there where we are in our neighborhoods in our networks all around to actually give people the opportunity to come to Christ right there and then as out there as well as in here come on let's be front foot kingdom and back we can do this together we can do this as in our groups and we can do this as whole center so let's look then next uh, assessment our mission assessment where are you at on this spectrum and I want to focus in very specifically on why not set a goal not for your work I'm assuming we're going to do that but the outcome of your kingdom ambassador role on reaching people far from God. And so I want us to set as a goal, what I'm saying, the get started goal. How about this for a goal? Could you believe that if you, become a, if you live as a kingdom ambassador by the spirit of God and by the grace of God, although you can't make people saved and they have to respond, could you believe that in the next four years you would reach one person for Christ and see them go on in their faith? Can you believe for that? She might want to, you say, yeah, I can do that. Reach one. But I know for many of us, we won't want to stop there. And if you do see one, don't stop there. You might see somebody saved this week. Please don't say, oh, I've done it now for the next four years. No, because this is not targets. This is about people. This is about eternity. We're going to keep going. So some of you might want to sort of up the, your faith and say, one a year. Can you believe for that? See, one person, 2017. 2018, 2019, that would be increasing it. And then there's those a little bit like with the ministry area who you say, oh, away with these modest, <laughs> modest goals. I'm a here on earth as a soul winner. In other words, you've got a little bit of that gift of evangelist and you, you make it, you know, talking to people about Jesus is absolutely what thrills you more than anything else. You'll talk to them on planes, on trains, on buses every time and you're saying, I want to set a goal to win people once a week or whatever. Can I say, we're not going to hold you back. We want to get behind you and pray for you. The evangelists in the midst rise up in the next four years. And the majority won't be like that, but if we all play our part, guess how many more people we can see come to Christ. Amen. See how many people's lives we could change for all eternity. So we've got our ministry investment, our mission investment. And then third thing that we can invest over the next four years that will make a difference for eternity is our money. Ministry, mission, and money. You see, over the next four years, you and I are going to receive 
a portion, an income, we have a certain amount of resources. Some of you will have a large amount. Jesus talked to parables like this, like the parable of the minas in Luke, Luke 19 and parable of the talents in Matthew. Some of you receive a large amount, some of you maybe a smaller amount, but all of us have resource. Now the question is, where did that come from? The biblical perspective is that everything we are and therefore everything we have ultimately comes from God, our Creator and our Father. And I know many of you know this, but it's such an important foundation because we often think it's mine Whereas God says, no, it all comes from me. I've given it to you. I want you to act as a steward to be responsible with the resources you're given. Now, I think about this. I think, okay, I'm an investor. It all comes from God. I've got resources now. I want to be a great steward of the resources God has given me. I want, I want his smile now. I want to be savvy with what he's given me. And I want... Not only money for my own needs and for our family's needs. Do you know that's part of the deal? God provides for us for our own needs. But I want to do what the Bible tells me to do, which is to take part of our resources and income and actually invest it, here's the thing, to give generously to the work of God. Do you know there's many things that we can give our money to that won't last, not only won't last four years, they won't even last a year. But hear me clearly, when we give to the work of the Lord, ultimately it means people's lives changed. That is the only thing that we can invest in that will have an eternal return. Think about it. I'm not just asking you to give, I'm, not, I'm asking you to think about it as an investor. What would I rather invest in? Something that's going to last for a little while. So rather than thinking, oh, how much have I got to give? How much can I give? different perspective if you think in the light of eternity and it's interesting that here we have Paul 1 Corinthians 15 58 always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor the Lord is not in vain and then if you imagine the, the original letter didn't have chapter headings and verses it was just one letter and then he goes straight into the next verse chapter 16 verse 1 and says now about the collection I think this is I, maybe it's just my sense of humor I'm like we've gone from resurrection to the collection <laughs> we've gone from the second coming to an offering. And in the middle, he says, give yourself to the work of the Lord. You say, how, do, how does giving myself to the work of the Lord and my ministry and my mission relate to my money? Here's how it works, because there's something about us expressing with something as tangible as finance, when we get that bit right in our lives, it's not in isolation from the rest of our lives, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, it's not so, well, I'll do the ministry and the mission bit, but I'll forget about the money bit. No, you need to put, if we give our whole lives, we want to invest our whole lives, it's part of it. God wants us to put him to the test and, and demonstrate our faithfulness in putting him first in this area of our finance. And hence he goes from the resurrection to the collection. So let's talk a bit about, uh, it's an offering. Well, here, wonderful couple of verses. Paul then goes on to give practical instructions about how this church, and they're great practical instructions to us to learn from, practical instructions about how we're to invest our 
finances, our money. Listen to this. It says, on the first day of the week, of every week, each one of you, say each one of you, should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Four things that I'm very briefly going to just say. Guidelines for practical giving. Number one, from this verse, we can see, first principle is this, we're to give to God first. Say first. Notice there he says, on the first day of every week. Now in that um, context, the first day of the week was their Sunday. And the early Christians started worshipping on a Sunday because it was a reminder of the resurrection. So they worshipped on a Sunday. But if you look to the whole of Scripture, you'll see that, um, particularly in the Old Testament, there's this principle that when you give, you're to give the first fruits. Let, let me make this practical. To be a Christ follower and put him first and invest God's way, you don't think, well, first on my list is, I've got to think about the mortgage and shopping and food and clothes and holidays, whatever else. Oh, and by the way, oh, sorry, Lord. You see, if we're going to put God first, it doesn't mean he comes second or third or he's last on our list of priorities. If he's Lord and he's king, he's king of my finances. Therefore, the first thing that I need to plan for and prepare for and have in my heart is I want to honor God and put him first above all else. So much you'll sort out. If you can get that principle of first, it'll change everything. It settles a whole bunch of stuff. First priority, give to God first. Secondly, he says to give regularly, give regularly. So give first, give to God first, but give regularly. Notice it says they're the first day of every week. Not just weeks when we feel like it or when it's convenient, every week. Now, in that context, they wouldn't have had online giving they would have been probably, they would have had their weekly um, income and source coming. Most of us probably get paid monthly. So let's just say regularly means whenever it comes in. If you get a regular amount, give it regularly. If you get a one-off amount, give off the back of that right, right away. But there's this, this sense of regularity. So we give to God first, we give regularly. And then thirdly, it's a call to give systematically. Can we say that? Give to God first. Give to God first. Give regularly. Give systematically. Because this is what he says. He says, each one should set aside a sum of money. Notice there there's planning and there's intentionality. You say, well, don't you believe in spontaneous giving? I do, in the sense that God may call you to bless somebody, buy them a meal, help them out. But even in the spontaneous, you need to have set aside something, saved something, so that you can give, yeah? So there's something about giving systematically. And that's, you know, when it comes to the offering, like next week, 2020 offering, that's why the culture we said in Kingsgate is not a sort of emotional, last-minute, tear-jerking, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, we, we, you must give or else. No, no, no. We want you to seek God, be a good steward, plan systematically for what you're going to give and then number four it says give proportionally give proportionally in keeping Paul says with your income give proportionally so it's not everybody gives the same amount but everyone gives proportionally this applies to two types 
of biblical giving, the first proportional giving we need to consider is the tithe. The tithe is giving of the first 10% to the Lord. It's right through the Old Testament. It's endorsed by Jesus. And it's the idea that we put God first, we give him the first 10%. Let, let me do the math for you. This is how proportional works. If you have an income of £1,000 a month, how much is the tithe going to be, the tenth? £100. If you are a high-income earner and you get 10000 a month, come on, you're really smart, £1,000. So they're not giving the same amount, but they're both giving proportional to their income. That's the tithe. But proportional giving doesn't actually stop with the tithe. And in context, Paul is actually talking here about an offering. So proportionality applies to offerings. What that would mean is, if you have a lot of resource, then to give proportionally and for generosity to be generous to you might mean a huge amount. Or it may be you've got a tiny amount and giving that tiny amount would be more generous than the person who's got a lot but gives a larger amount. Do you get that? And so um, that's just kind of it. So we give God first regularly, systematically, and proportionally. Now, so let's look at our final, final little spectrum here, our money investment. Some of you just need to get started. And the biblical way to kind of get started on this, this systematic proportional giving is to take the tithe test. Put God first. I know that, you know, particularly if you're new to the faith, it can seem can seem a scary thing. I've been pastoring now this church and briefly one before for about 30 decades and I'm amazed how consistently I have, how would I say 30 decades? Just checking you're concentrating. I'm 53 now, I'm going to be 57 then. Three decades. And I'm amazed how I get people coming up time and time again and say, we started tithing. It was a challenge at the time. Some people immediately get blessed. Others, it's over a period of time. I literally had somebody on Friday came in and said, we started tithing years ago. We started giving offerings over above. Then the recession hit. Uh, one of our incomes halved. And guess what? We were tempted to stop giving. And we decided, no, we're going to put God first. We're going to keep tithing. And somehow, someway, and I've heard it so many times, we don't know how, but we got protected, we got provided for, and we're in a better place, and God's given us over and above. Why? Because God is faithful to his words. Put him first. So for some of you, you just got to take that tithe step. Give the tithe. But for many of others, we know that the tithe isn't to be um, the ceiling is to be the floor. Once we kind of get tithing in there, it's like, okay, now I want to live a life of generosity. And so many, many of us are getting ready, and I'm sure if you haven't already, you'll be seeking God uh, this week on what can we give then? Another opportunity to give, 2020 vision offering, fantastic. Let's just give generously. Let's give what God tells us to. And then there's a third group, and the only way I could describe it is it's kind of like that we're into the domain of extravagance. Give extravagantly. The Bible has instances of that, don't they? They have a little widow who gave her lot. That's extravagant. You have people who God calls sometimes in, in history throughout. Some people end up giving everything and God blesses them again. 
And there's a group of people, a little bit like I said at the beginning with regard to serving, you're in the extra, a little bit like when I talked about evangelism. There's a proportion of people in any local church, and Kingsgate is not ex- any exception, who you have what the Bible calls a gift of giving. We're all called to tithe, we're all called to give generously, but some of you, it's almost like one of your primary callings is to give to the work of the Lord. Some of you don't have a lot and you have that gift of giving. Others, you, you have a great gift of making money. And you know that one of the major reasons why God has blessed you is to, as it were, funnel as much resources from this earth into the work of the Lord so that you can make an eternal difference. And there's something about giving that absolutely fires you. And for some of you, God may call you to make an extravagant gift next week. Some of you may God speak to you for a six-figure sum. And I'm not saying what we're to give. I'm just saying obey God and don't think you're bonkers. Check it out. If you're married, check it out. But recognize that we're all on a spectrum. We can all give generously. And some people have a gift of giving. And you just love the thought of giving extravagantly. And wherever we're at on this, as it were, spectrum, there is a promise. Not only will we get rewarded in heaven, not only will we invest in transforming lives, but in the here and now, listen to this promise, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 and 8, says, God, what? Loves a cheerful giver. Literally in the Greek, it's hilarion, a hilarious giver. How many ready to come next week? Hilarious. Ha, ha, no. <laughs> Joyful. <laughs> free because we get to do this and then there's the promise and God is able to bless you abundantly we're not going to lose out so in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work in other words for kingdom investors God's going to keep shoveling it back he's going to keep pouring it in so that we'll resupply and we'll have more for our needs and more to give away in Jesus name amen Let's be kingdom investors. 28 years ago, we started this church and we've been looking back over this series at what God has done. Started with just Karen and myself and some support. And we had to make a choice. We had to give of ourselves. We had to invest ourselves, make sacrifices. A core group starts gathering. Tens, then hundreds of people start joining. And here we are today with so many of us, but don't let's think for one second that our individual contribution matters any less. I believe the opportunity we have before us right now is potentially greater than we've ever seen before. And it needs just simply every one of us playing our part, saying, Lord, here's my ministry. Here's the mission you've called me to. Here's the money you've given to me. I surrender all. I want to play my part to see your name glorified, to see many more people's lives transformed for eternity. And I do so knowing there's going to be a glorious reward. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you right now for the privilege we get of serving you and your work. Help us, empower us now to move forward to make a difference between now and 2020 for decades to come and for all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.